Welcome to the People and Performance Podcast, offering tips and expert insights into the strategic capabilities, behaviors, and results needed to grow and sustain employee performance. In this episode of the People and Performance Podcast, we have some fun and talk about the power of play in the workplace. Chris and Bill are joined by Gary Ware, TEDx speaker, facilitator, coach, and founder at Breakthrough Play. Gary Ware is a self-proclaimed creativity catalyst, helping people reach their potential using the power of play. Gary combines his passion for improved theater with over a decade of experience in the advertising industry specializing in digital marketing to help creative professionals develop deeper relationships to drive performance. Gary's obsession with learning how to use play as a transformational tool led to his own transformation, moving him out of digital marketing and into a world of transformation to help people improve their business, relationships, and life. With a belief that humans are wired for play, and if you can tap into their play drive you can create magic, Gary and his team deliver training and retreats for organizations to help them increase psychological safety, reduce voluntary turnover, and increase job satisfaction. We hope you enjoy episode 3 of season 4, and don't forget to check out more posts and podcast episodes at pp-pod.com. Gary, it's awesome to have you on the People and Performance podcast today. Uh, you're such a happy superstar, and um, and we're just delighted, Chris and I, to, to have you to, to joining us. Happy to be here. So, Gary, here's a cracker to get this performance podcast party going today and we'll obviously get into the why the who the how the where and the when as we navigate through today's discussion but to begin gary please can you tell us in and let's challenge you uh 60 seconds or less what it means for the employee and to the company performance when we can dedicate time to have fun and play together at work yes when play is a priority and when play is seen as something that is a building block instead of a deterrent to work, I have personally seen firsthand and through my work, I've seen that teams are able to navigate change, embrace uncertainty. They're able to deal with overwhelming burnout. And at the end of the day, they're able to deepen their connection to each other and be more creative. Excellent. You're quoted as saying, quote, Prior to learning about the benefits of play, I thought burnout was a badge of honor, end quote. Can you tell me about your prior mindset to how you used to live your life and why that mindset is so important as we think about play? Yes. If I can just sort of back up for a moment, the catalyst for me, the thing that allowed me to rediscover my play and rejuvenate through play was an improv class. Prior to that, I just thought, you know, you can only play when your work is done. I thought I, I heard the phrase, hey, I will sleep when I'm dead. And I just thought that was just all part of being an adult. Uh, I would go to these networking meetings and, you know, the topic du jour is how much we worked. And people, it was almost like a one-upmanship game of, oh, you work 12 hours? Oh, you know what? I had an all-nighter, X, Y, and Z. And so for, you know, that was normal. Um, and again, like I you know, felt like I got a lot of uh, pleasure of telling people, oh, man, I'm so tired, X, Y, and Z, because I had this sort of 
tied to my identity and my work. It was all weld into one thing. And then, like I said, I took this improv class and it awakened something in me that had been dormant, you know, that is called play. And I remember it like it was yesterday, the, you know, right after leaving that theater, taking that improv class with those 15 other strangers and playing these silly games and being so focused and, and present for two hours, walking into my house, my wife thought I was drunk. <laughs> I wasn't drunk. Um, and then that next day going to work and it was a normal Tuesday, but yet it felt like that day after a vacation, you know, when you feel refreshed and there was something about that. That was that little kernel that got me thinking, Hmm, maybe there's something different. And, you know, over time, it wasn't like an overnight thing, but it was an over time being consistent and, and trying new things. I was able to shift my way of thinking. And as a result, shift my behavior. I love that story. I love the concept of the improv. I do that with my, one of my daughters, she's trying to get into acting. And so sometimes she'll just have me sit and work with her in that whole arena. So I think that's a great segue for you to get into this and free up your mind. I love it. Um, let me ask the question for you. So why is it important for us to give ourselves the, you know, that permission to play? Well, as adults, we often see play as this frivolous activity, something that just kids do, or it's a waste of time or we're goofing off. But there's a lot of science that shows that, well, first and foremost, we are wired for play. We are what are called neotenous creatures in that we retain our juvenile features through adulthood. And, you know, play is something, as I mentioned in the beginning, it helps us do so many things. However, if your mindset is, well, play is just a waste of time, when you engage in it, you're going to feel guilty and you're not really going to take advantage of, of those benefits. And so first and foremost, I feel like the person that is holding ourselves back is ourselves. And so once we gives our, give ourselves permission to play, to embrace a playful mindset, to do those things that bring us joy just because it can start the process of unlearning those behaviors that keep us in this state of burnout, this state of stress. Do you think it's also important? I just want to follow up on this. Do you th think it's also important for an organization to embrace this? Because sometimes it's hard to, to be that free spirit on your own. So what do you yes. think about that? I agree 110% <laughs> because the environment is always going to win. I think we've all seen the meme of like, you know, we're the average of the five people we surround ourselves with. So if you are embrace, you know, if you're someone who's naturally a playful person and you, you know, see the benefit of this and of taking breaks and all these things. However, if you're in an environment where the culture, you know, works through lunch, you know, they, they don't embrace those things. You will slowly conform to that environment. The environment always wins. And so as a leadership, I feel like it's important for one, for the leaders to realize that this is an important thing that is going to keep your top talent there, that is going to keep your culture in, you know, that high performing state. Therefore, you need to do the things that is going to set the example. You need to be the one that is encouraging these things because you're right, especially in this current economic climate where you know, people are scared of losing their jobs and there's a lot of sort of fear and uncertainty of like, what's going to happen? You know, people are going to naturally sort of 
not do these things. And so as a leader, it's important to, um, you know, take that first step. Okay. So if we, if we can turn the volume all the way up to 11, Gary, potentially, okay. How, how, how high can we go in terms of introducing more experiential learning, um, improv, if you like, as part of that into other, other uh, professional development requirements so you know em employees they have to sit down they have to study and they have to learn things a lot of that's uh, just on paper or uh, listen to me from the 20th century uh, on, on their computer screen um and a lot of that on the face of it doesn't seem like um something that you can maybe turn into a fun activity and and and, and learn but maybe maybe there are ways to make things more experiential if there are, Gary, how, how much of that should we do? Uh, how, how high to 11 should we try and get? I'm all about like, hey, let's jump into the deep end. Let's go all in. However, that may just be too much. I like to invite people to start small. If you're listening to this and you're like, hmm, you know, maybe our company can use to embrace a little bit more playfulness. Think about what are the inflection points what are the different things that you're doing that you can just sort of spark a little bit of playfulness um, i think there was a quote from a famous woman that said for every job that must be done you find the element of fun and snap the job's a game you know that was mary poppins in case you didn't know and i i feel like this is true at work uh, in the book uh prime to perform by neil dosi and lindsey mcgregor they talk about the elements of high-performing team. And these are the intrinsic desires that if you can optimize for them, you can get a team that is going to work harder, they're going to stay longer, and they're going to really enjoy their jobs. And those intrinsic elements are play, purpose, and potential. And so focusing on the play, you know, starting from the get-go of, hey, how can we make meetings more enjoyable? And it doesn't necessarily mean that we're sort of goofing around. However, how can we be intentional and realize that, you know what, if we started the meeting with maybe some sort of icebreaker or something to make people feel more comfortable, they're going to feel more connected and therefore be more engaged. And, you know, look at every area of the business. Learning and development is one of the key things. Again, you know, these soft skills, um, they're, in my opinion, they're not soft, they're essential skills, but these are key to High-performing teams is key to growth. How can we make that more fun? Because there's a lot of research that shows that you can sit down and study. You can take copious amounts of notes. However, if you do not do anything with the material within 14 days of learning it, it will be as if you did not learn it. However, Karen Previs, she's a researcher who mostly studied with children, found that to create new synapses in the brain, you know, so something that sticks, it normally takes about 400 to 420 repetitions. However, if you can inject play into the mix, you can get that down to 20. Yes, I will repeat myself. You can get that down to 20. I did not make a mistake. That is correct. And it's because when you are playing, when you are engaging, you are involving all of your senses and you're going to be more likely to use that material when the stakes are higher. Wowza. Okay, that's seriously powerful learning. But 
what happens if uh, there are mistakes made, Gary? So imagine imagine uh, an organization's leadership buys into the importance of creating that safe environment to embrace play, okay? What, what, what happens if leadership gets it wrong, though, in, in terms of making sure that that is a safe space? And therefore, there are certain employees in that space who perhaps haven't entered with the right mindset, making it uncomfortable for others. What, what are the dangers there? There are some downsides uh, of play. And in my opinion, I don't feel like that is like sort of pure play. Like when we, you know, get into like maybe the teasing area or, or things where, um, you know, maybe we are making fun of other people. However, yes, play is very risky. That's why, you know, we stray away from it. When you are playing, you're in a very vulnerable state. You know, you're allowing yourself to be your, true nature you know shields are you know down as Brene Brown says you know the armor is off and yes there are going to be some mistakes however I like to argue that when you do create a playful environment when those boundaries are crossed when those mistakes are made because you have psychological safety people are going to feel more comfortable stepping up and saying hey you know what I I didn't appreciate that you know, we can have a crucial conversation, an open conversation about it compared to, you know, say we didn't have that psychological safety. And then, yeah, then someone, um, you know, doesn't appreciate it. And, and maybe they're just going to bottle bottle it up or maybe they're not going to say anything. And then now the culture is going to shift and then those people are going to leave. Yeah, it's so true. I love that concept of putting those checks in place uh, that are out there because it is you are vulnerable that's ex- exactly true and your organization's vulnerable too and sometimes hr has a hard time with that with that concept um as well too so let me ask the next question when you're working with companies and individuals and you're helping them to recalibrate the play into their life um the first thing that you tell them to do is to focus on awareness as part of that you have them document whenever they feel they're engaging in playful activities so why does that matter Yes. Yes. Thank you for asking that question. question. You're welcome. The reason why it matters is first and foremost, because we don't realize that play is all about doing something for the state of doing it. Um, There's a lot of correlations between play and the state that you're in during play and flow. Um, Researcher Mihai Csikszentmihalyi in his book Flow talks about you're in a state of flow when you are getting just the right amount of challenge time is flying by and you're enjoying it. There's a, you know, some pleasure in there. Now, as I mentioned, not all play is the same. And the, you know, as I mentioned in, you know, the book Prime to Perform that I mentioned earlier, when you are getting the right sort of challenge, you know, when you are really engaged in the work, you're going to get into that flow state. And so it's important to acknowledge when you're in that you know, what, what are the elements? What are, what's happening? I mentioned the environment always wins. If you can start to be mindful of that, then you can be intentional and recreate it. Gary, I'm sad to say we are coming towards the end of this interview. Um, I like having chats with you. You're, you're so optimistic and, and positive and have a great out, outlook on life. Uh, but um, you make me smile when, when I, when I listen to you. Um, and, and what we like to do on this show is ask all of our guests the same question and um um 
people obviously coming at it from different angles, different careers and whatnot. And I'm sure you're going to have a wonderful and unique answer to it. And, and the question is, as we look to wrap up today, Gary, we like to ask our guests from a culture and people processes perspective, what does a high performing company mean to you? For me, a high performing team means that they are prioritizing <clears throat> the people <laughs> over the outcome. They're creating an environment where we are optimizing for play, purpose, and potential. That high-performing team is, you know, they're, they're not necessarily like a family. You know, we don't have to like each other, you know, outside, you know, outside of the work, but we respect each other. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're playful because I like to say, you know, teams that play together stay together. Gary, how can we learn more? You're listening, listening to, this, to this and you hear something that resonates and you love to chat with me. You can go to my website, breakthroughplay.com, where I have a number of various resources and articles. If you happen to be on LinkedIn, um, I tend to be very active on there. Just look me up, Gary Ware. And yeah, I, I love talking about this. I love talking about uh, high-performing teams through purposeful play and love to chat with you. Wonderful, Gary. Appreciate it so much today. Thank you for your time. This is this is great. I think everybody should apply this in their lives and uh, and get it into your workplace because it really relaxes you and gets you focused and and you know that camaraderie between you and your 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 um, coworkers is important and this really helps a lot in that process too. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the People in Performance podcast. Follow us on social media and remember to subscribe.